Welcome to the High at Nine News Hour, where you will hear from cannabis industry experts and professionals from around the country talk about important topics while shining light on global issues and discussing cannabis as it relates to politics, regulation and reform, data and technology, science, research and medicine, family and parenting, art, celebrities and entertainment, fitness, sports, mental health and wellness, and plant-based medicines and entheogenics. Together, we are building a stronger community, fighting the stigma and creating change. With your hosts, Jason Beck and Rico Lamite, joined by special industry expert correspondents from around the country and daily antics brought to you by Cannabis. Coming to you live every Monday through Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific time and high noon on the East Coast. And thank you all for getting high at nine with us. Oh, yeah. Good morning, everybody. Hope everyone is having an amazing day. Today is Tuesday, April 18th, and today is National Columnist Day. That's right, for all us little journalists and whatnot. It's also National Lineman Day, Lineman Appreciation Day, so make sure you thank the telephone company. And, of course, it's National Animal Crackers Day because no crackers would be complete unless there were animal crackers. Thank you for joining us and getting high at 9 with us. It's also high noon on the East Coast. And please remember to like, share, and subscribe to us on all social media platforms. We're live every Monday through Friday on YouTube and audio only on Clubhouse. And you can use that fancy little QR code right there in the top-hand corner of your screen to find out exactly where we live on the Internet. Um, if you are joining us in Clubhouse, you can also participate in the show by raising your hand if you have a brief comment on the story most recently presented. And we are going to kick this show off real fast. That's right. We are going to jump right on in to the Dope Dad himself. That's right. Rico Lamite, the Dope Dad who is constantly changing diapers and constantly hosting tea parties, playing, playing Elsa songs, and possibly even throwing in a little baby shark, too. That's right, is the dope dad himself, Rico the Meat. Thank you, Jason. You guys hear me okay? How's my mic? Am I good? Yeah, right. you good. Good. All right, so, so um, today's conversation for a spicy taco about it Tuesday. I want to take us <laughs> out to Minnesota. Back in January, Minnesota State Representative Zach Stevenson, a Democrat, stood at the Capitol and said, this to his colleagues in attendance. Members, Minnesotans are ready. Cannabis should not be illegal in Minnesota. State and local governments are spending millions enforcing laws that aren't helping anyone. Money that could be put to far better purposes. There is a better way. And since then, the land of 10,000 lakes has been on a path to legalization led by a new left-leaning state Congress. But after being stonewalled by state conservatives on the issue for so long, naturally, um, they'd be running into a little resistance along the way. And last Thursday, we had just that. The anti-narcotic, anti-addictive drug coalition, smart approaches to marijuana Minnesota, and members of state law enforcement rallied at the Minnesota State Capitol to officially form the Minnesota Reefer Madness Avengers, sworn to oppose the North Star State's looming cannabis legalization house bill, sponsored by none other than Stevenson himself and his no-good cronies. The group's assumed leader, Olmstead County Sheriff Kevin Torgensen, uh, 
gave a riveting speech to arouse the low energy insurrectionists on safety concerns he had with the legalization movement. Am I okay with it? No, I'll never be okay with legalizing marijuana. It's really saddening to me that we're willing to have as collateral damage the deaths on our highways just because people want to use marijuana recreationally. Captivating words. The full rage came from a study released by the American Public Health Association citing from 2000 to 2018, the percentage of fatal crashes involving cannabis grew from 9% to 25 to 21.5%. Stevenson's bill has already passed 14 committees and is now en route to the Ways and Means Committee. Additionally, a Senate committee recently approved a Senate companion bill sponsored by Lindsey Port, also a Democrat in Minnesota. He and the lawmakers behind it claim that they are aware of these concerns and took them into account when crafting said measures. And, you know, with all the things going on in the world today, especially in this case, with all the civic unrest we've seen on the national media coverage of these last few years in Minnesota, you're telling me a sketchy car crash data report um, is the best argument these fine folks can come up with to fight legalizing the one thing with the real chance to calm Minnesotas down and bring them together? I really do hate resorting to whataboutism, but in this case, you got to speak the same language. There's no data cited by the same group tracking how many prescription drugs were in the system of fatal crashes over the same period. But it is easy to find data from the Minnesota Department of Health showing that from 2020 to 2021 alone, one year, opioid-involved overdose deaths increased by 44% to an all-time high of 978 deaths in 2021. Nothing there really linking it to driving, but Shouldn't some of that anti-weed anger be aimed at Minnesota's real drug-related crisis at hand? I'm struggling to see the point of Thursday's rally other than a waste of a decent Thursday afternoon. And I hope it wasn't produced with the aid of Minnesotan tax dollars. I can't imagine anyone involved gaining any fans or new supporters here, but maybe it's just my own lack of empathy. I want to hear what the rest of y'all think about this. I'm Rico Lamit, the dopest dad on the street. Uh, What do you guys think? I think it's just another way to, uh, you know, get some kind of religious or moral, you know, uh, point of view out to the masses. It's clear that people want to smoke marijuana or eat marijuana or ingest marijuana. And right. for these, these politicians just to get on a soapbox and claim dumb facts, it's just stupid. It's just stupid. They're going to lose. <laughs> you know, you're right. It is a waste of a good Thursday. <laughs> right. It's they're just grasping at thought at, at straws at this point, and they're just really, really trying to hold on to any semblancy of the past. Right. What about alcohol related deaths? They're not closing all the bars down, are they? No. And um, oh, as, no. As, as, as I um, pointed to in a story, I think it was last month or the month before, um, the mistakenly um, uh, uh, the Republican Congress before this, this, this new democratic Congress came in for uh, Minnesota, they uh, accidentally or not um, passed, <laughs> <laughs> uh, 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 passed edibles as being uh, legalized last year and inadvertently saved the craft beer industry in Minnesota because all the craft beer uh, um, um, uh, factories that were going under started producing cannabis drinks. Oh, that's funny. And brought in millions and millions of dollars. So, like, they're not really going to, like, like, 
what do you what don't you buy like I get all these i don't, I don't buy that the cannabis beverage industry brings in millions and millions of dollars it definitely yeah, does Jason. those are real those are real facts and figures there's a story that i covered <laughs> well it like literally it literally revitalized a bunch of the old plants that were going under uh because uh covid shut down like a lot of the brew pub stuff like that and um and they started using the same materials and everything just to make cannabis drinks in it revitalized like a lot of those businesses so uh, i don't really think they're going to have much support uh, in terms of the people in terms of uh, a lot of the small business owners so um it's cop this anti-weed cop and then the rest of uh, his team like good luck with what they're doing i just don't think it's effective i think it's a waste of everybody's team uh time yeah for sure i agree um, with you on that part it is definitely a waste of everyone's time and this cop needs to get with the times and learn some other different types of approaches to help bring in finances for his jurisdiction as opposed to just stealing it from the people. Yep. Yeah, for sure. You know, the CBD beverage market is estimated to be $46 billion. Now, I would believe that. I would believe that. But as far as like the marijuana beverage market, I'm not buying any of that. Oh, Jason. You don't have to buy it like other people are. <laughs> That's what my point is right. people aren't Just because you're not buying the drinks, right? There's other people buying <laughs> a lot of fucking drinks. Beverages. No. <laughs> All right. You guys are starting to sound yeah. like those speculators. They're like, beverages are going to be the hottest commodity in cannabis. It's the meanwhile, it's the smallest portion of the smallest portion of the market. It's an easy transition for a lot of folks who are not in the movement already, and they're not smokers. So uh, yeah, be drinking their weed. Tell you some interesting growth. data, okay? Interesting, interesting data that <laughs> I'm aware of from stores. That if you are a first-time customer walking into a store, the likelihood of you coming back if you purchase an edible is at zero percent. Really, first time zero percent. Zero percent. If you're in where's the data? Where's this data coming from? If they purchase from from retails, if they purchase, if they purchase flour or pre, even a pre roll, they are ninety five percent guaranteed to come back and make a secondary purchase. <laughs> this comes from the, dude, you should, the, the, you should the, give the, a free pre roll with every edible. The Get Jason people Beck back Research in. Center, huh? <laughs> yeah, the Jason Beck Research Center, exactly right. <laughs> The Bro Science Research Institute of America. <laughs> bro Science. Bro Science for the world, bro. Yeah. Yep. No, but yeah, the drinkables are a huge entry into the market uh right now. And and, and they became they came came out of nowhere during COVID. You know, a lot of yeah. folks uh were out there drinking uh cans of infused drinks. Oh my guess. I don't know. Like I'm with you, Jason. I'm not I'm not really a uh a cannabis drinker and uh edibles really really mess me up in ways that, that are unpredictable so i try to uh, shy away from edibles but um to each their own and if people are making money off of it they're making money off of it man no props I, to them i'm with it i'm with it man let's uh we're, we're gonna we're gonna go to a commercial we're gonna be right back there you go how's it going guys saman razani coming to you from green street here with jason beck smoking on the best weed in the world did you know that we have an audio-only version of our podcast available on Apple, Google, Amazon, iHeartRadio, and Spotify? Tune in now and check it out. He is West Hollywood's right-leaning president of cannabis tourism and the industry's longest continuously operating retailer, and a lover of smoking on the best weed in the world and a hater of all things 
related to drinkables in cannabis. <laughs> stupid. Coming to the stage next, y'all know who it is. <laughs> oh, yeah. Good morning, everybody. Happy Tuesday, Taco Tuesday. We'll tell you what, I got something to taco about because Colorado issues an advisory for potentially unsafe medical marijuana batch that has been sold at dispensaries already. And man, when you hear some of these dates, it's going to blow your mind. But here we go. The state is issuing a health and safety advisory for a marijuana batch sold at several dispensaries in Colorado, including in Colorado Springs and the Pueblo area. According to the alert, high levels of yeast and mold were found on medical marijuana flour produced by Long Gone Farms during standard testing required by the state. Colorado is among several states that require total yeast and mold testing to evaluate the safety of a particular batch. The state health department and the DC DOR deem it a threat to public health and safety when marijuana is found to have total yeast and mold or aspergillus levels above the acceptable limits established in Colorado marijuana rule 4115. The Colorado Department of Revenue, the DOR, Marijuana Enforcement Division, said in the advisory on Monday. Additionally, the state says it has identified additional marijuana batches that were produced at the same time at, as the uh, uh, formatted contaminated batches and never submitted for testing. According to the Department of Revenue, all of the batches of concern were sold by medical marijuana stores between June 1st of last year and March 9th of this year. Can you believe that, you guys? Oh, man. Shocking. Audience. Patients who have uh, these products, uh, uh, affected products in their possession, should destroy them or return them to the store from which they were purchased for proper disposal. Patients who experience adverse health effects from consuming the product should seek medical attention immediately and report the event to the marijuana enforcement division by submitting the med reporting form the dor said um there is a link that can be found here and the affected batch numbers under the health and safety advisory are there's a whole bunch of batch there's some there's some pablo's revenge runch indoor some runs indoor some oreos cake some zero gravity oatmeal cookie and then there's the potentially contaminated ones a and b big room oreos big room white runts big room blue ivy big room and snowman big room and of course crush berries big room um and all of these stuff was sold at all these different stores light shade labs uh green farms long gone farms <clears throat> choice organics and just and all of these different retailers throughout Colorado. But I'm going to digress. And this is Jason Beck reporting for High and Nine News. And Stone Slade might have possibly purchased some of this weed. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, I'm going to call Big Cap. I'm going to call Big Cap. Everyone knows Colorado's too dry to, to grow any yeast and mold and aspergillus. You know, that weed uh, just dries out instantly once they cut it down, people. I'm going to call Big Cap. Big Cap. Um, I'm agreeing with the big cat. I only caught the end of that, but Saman knows what he's talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Uh, about this time he doesn't. 
the it's Jason Becker. I'm only, I'm only playing. I'm only playing. I mean, of course, it's it's cannabis. It's biological. It could definitely grow some weird shit. But I do want to just bring up an old point here, Jason. How much? How many millions do you think that drinks brought in in the California market this year to date? I don't even think they brought in one million. Oh, Jason, you are so wrong and misinformed, my friend. Fifty-five million across tinctures the- aren't considered beverages. Simone. I'm not. I'm not counting tinctures. Yeah, you are. No, I'm not. I'm in BDS. I'm in our, I'm in our lovely. I'm in our lovely BDS analytics. I, I can smell. Uh, I'm going to channel my inner Gretchen. <laughs> my inner Gretchen Galian say, uh, "We got to keep it on topic, y'all. <laughs> keep it. Keep it on topic. I do want to point out." In uh, this this is I you're, you you didn't let me make the connection, Rico. Okay. All, all right, that all that boofy moldy weed is gonna get turned into distillate and it's gonna get turned into drinks. Fifty five million dollars coming at you. What about the stuff that's already been sold though, Simone, to all these yeah, people yeah. with respiratory illnesses that have already smoked <laughs> this shit in Pueblo and 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 out there? Well, it if they're is, in Pueblo, if they're in Pueblo, then moldy weed's the least of their concern. But you know, uh, like, <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and Jason, um, um, on this story, like of all the ones that they listed, were any of them outdoor? I think they were all indoor. There is this, um, and this is not a knock on indoor or outdoor, um, but is it more um, uh, of a chance that you get these outbreaks and stuff like this uh, from indoor grows? Look, nationwide, the- more. Infected. The failure rate of crops is about 20%. So that means that 20% of crops are failing for either yeast mold, aspergillus, or some other kind of microbial mess, whether it's coliforms, uh, you know, E. coli is very seldom seen. But, uh, you know, I have a lab and we see this stuff. The, the Vegas average is right around 16% failure um, uh, for yeast mold and aspergillus. From an aspergillus perspective, the reason why it's so prevalent is because the aspergillus feeds on dead leaves, right? And once it, it, look, yeast and mold is in every grow. It's just how you control it, right? And then how you, you know, uh, uh, keep it under the, whatever the state limits are where you are. You know, here in uh, Vegas, if, uh, or Nevada, should I say, the aspergillus, it's presence or absence of. So we literally check for, uh, aspergillus DNA. And if it's present, it's a fail. And if it's not present, um, you know, it's a uh, pass. Uh, but it is a big problem, uh, both aspergillus and yeast and mold uh, around the country. And you're right, they take this, uh, this failed product, and they do make distillate and isolate, and then they put it in vape pens and, yep. and yep. edibles and everything else that you're eating. The good news is, is that the process, yeah. you know, for all that extraction it's usually kills yeah, it just kills everything. Well, and not just extraction, Todd. It's the distillation. The extraction actually doesn't kill the the mold or the mycotoxins. It doesn't remove any of that. You can't really filter that out. You have to heat it and you have to distill it. So yes, right. And from a from a, a grow standpoint, the only thing that kills Aspergillus DNA inside your cultivation is bleach. And uh, mm. you know, we highly recommend that uh, in between harvests, you know, you clean with bleach. And uh, make sure that all of that stuff is gone. But even when we go and sample, um, uh, you know, because in Nevada, the testing lab has to go to the facilities and pick up the samples. And, you know, we clean our tongs between every sample, first with alcohol and then with bleach. Not together, because that'll make chloroform. But uh, you got to make sure everything dries. But uh, the bleach is the only thing that will kill this aspergillus DNA. And it's the only way to uh, really pass tests by using that in your cultivation, for sure. 
Interesting. Oh, you know what? I do like what Nick has to say about that. He says that drinks only sell because companies buy them out for giveaways. <laughs> maybe, maybe that's his. Maybe that's his yeah. particular uh, I'm a cli- uh, clientele. But I mean, uh, it, 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 numbers are what the numbers are. The if beverage it, market is five market. million folks are buying uh, drinks, and those are what the numbers are saying. Whether it is the dispensaries buying them from wholesalers, or if it's the people buying them, this yeah, the dispensaries buying them because they don't want to waste them. Fifty-five million. Then <laughs> the dispensaries are just going deeper into the debt because in California there's a six hundred million dollar debt bubble, and, and they shouldn't be buying them. It's bad oh, business. They they keep buying them. Sips is pretty good. I don't know if you guys have had a uh, sip little, like an energy drink bottle. Um, all, all, all my wife's stuff. friends love those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> love those in the, in, in the can. Uh, those those drinks, but they like them. The women like them. So, you know, yeah. we're going to keep on selling. True that. Yeah. But yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow, no more comments on dirty weed, huh? I mean, I mean, there's tons of comments on dirty weed. I mean, first of all, I wouldn't smoke any of that Colorado weed in the first place, let alone, especially if it didn't pass testing. I mean, but I don't think anyone really goes to Colorado to smoke their weed. Uh, maybe yeah, Stone, that's right. Stone does. <laughs> you got excellent extracts. Bro, uh, if you there. get it fresh, there's grower. There's some good. Come on, come on. There's some good growers up there. If you get it fresh, it's fucking good. Look, Smart ain't even close. Look, anybody who says Colorado <laughs> weed is all bad obviously hasn't smoked all the good weed in Colorado. There's great weed in Colorado. Oh, all the but, good weed. You say that like there's so much. Jason, Jason I, I I recall distinctively. <laughs> Let me tell you something. The only time there's good weed in Colorado is when I'm there. In my pocket, okay? Straight up. Listen, I'm gonna be honest with you. Jason and I smoked some bomb weed in Colorado that he didn't bring, and he and he just doesn't want to admit it. But mm-hmm. it's it's mm-hmm. it's few and far between because of the hyper commercialization. You're talking about something that came from a home grower, Simon, not something that came out of one of no, these no. facilities. No, there's like there's a couple small craft facilities that put, pump out great product in Colorado, but hyper commercialization and the and the dwindling price. For, for what we're doing is making it impossible for these guys that are craft, that are good, that are quality to continue to do their craft in a quality manner because they have to make money because they're a business. Yeah. Yeah. So. But, but, but I just want to say, I just want to say moving to California from Colorado in 2016, it really did open my eyes. California has, has obviously been doing this for like a century plus uh, multi-generational farmers that have been doing this and 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 truly and truly some of the greenhouse and outdoor cannabis that i tried when i first came out it just blew me away it was the most potent powerful cannabis that i'd ever tried colorado obviously had some good stuff but nothing quite like that so yes does california take the cake yes is colorado gonna be a cake as well yes maybe a cupcake but it's still a cake and uh, and and, and, just, and just and just to quote the chat again for you, Simon. You know, Anna's saying that she's the highest, uh, the 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 highest purchasing customer at Catalyst for beverages. Uh, I love I love that. Anna would love to hear some data for our for our uh, other other. Yeah, the, the data our... is all her buying it, Simon. That's no, it's not all her buying it. That's crazy. More yeah, bro it's science. All, it's all her buying the beverages. What about that place in Modesto? It's called Finos. That they're like they're they're those guys run. They, they don't sell any beverages either. And, you know? Every yeah, every dispensary, every dispensary is different in, in, in where you are too. So oh, I mean, I, I can see yeah. like more of the touristy areas and yeah, and with, uh, with it's a, a novelty. Lot. 
it's a, yeah, a lot of folks that are newer to the industry. I could definitely see those being higher uh, on the list of uh, with sales towards drinkables. But Listen, um, the drinks are delicious. I'm, I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan personally, but I have seen how um, my wife and her friends get all excited over that BS. But well, let me tell you, excited over lots of things, Rico. I, when What's I when I when I launched um, Artet in 2018, 2019, um, you know that was a that was a big challenge, and it's one. It's it's still going strong. It's one of the better you know cannabis uh, beverages on the market, I think personally, and uh, I think that there's huge potential there. Drinks are a large. Uh, you know, swath of the market in any other consumer market. And it's just a matter of time till they get there. It's just too young right now to, to have that um, become like one of the top categories in our sales mix, but you know, it will get there and Jason will be sipping on a cannabis infused Mai Tai soon enough. Yeah, and people right. are already they're already programmed, you know, to go into bars and, and sit and sip on stuff. So, I mean, it's a it's an easier transition for them uh, than to go to a, a a lounge and start smoking. If you've never been in that kind of if you've never been in that kind of environment. Uh, look at what, what Anna is saying. This is an interesting data point here. Catalyst has all ages, but average age has to be late 20s, early 30s for drinks, which what which. Well, I would think the 20s and 30s would be smoking weed, but that's not their generation. They didn't grow up smoking doobies in the in the back alley of their high school. You know what I'm saying? That's our generation. They're smoking their weird vape pens, and that's probably what they're going to be. I would be interested to see to see what the consumption rates were at Coachella uh, this weekend or this past weekend and next weekend. When that is that younger, all those sales were off centric. They don't have any data from that, Rico. I thought they had uh, they actually had some uh, dispensaries uh, at the uh, uh, at the what you call it at, at the festival this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. sure. Did they not? But not the. I mean, they I have mean, the last few years. I know Coachella's always had a thing, and so has Stagecoach that they weren't allowing any cannabis at any of their events. No, they have in the last two years. One hundred percent. I covered the story last year. I don't know. You're gonna have to show me that one. But we gotta we 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 gotta go on to to the next one, irregardless of of all of that. We gotta go on to Mr. Todd Dankin. That's right, the man with a lab and a news van. That's right. He's founder of the National Marijuana News Network, and he's also the founder of Digipath Labs, the premier testing facility in the state of Nevada. What do you have this morning, Todd? Thank you. Thank you, Jason. So uh, another Midwest state is running out of weed. Missouri marijuana companies are facing product shortages and price hikes after their adult use launch. It didn't take long for Missouri's new established adult use marijuana market to feel growing pains. The Midwestern market, which launched recreational sales on February 3rd, is off to a sizzling start and on pace to break $1 billion in sales in its first year. But let's make sure we keep it out of Minnesota. Uh, But strong demand from medical marijuana patients, as well as local and out-of-state consumers, has far exceeded operators' expectations and resulted in the kind of product shortages and higher wholesale prices experienced in other newly launched recreational markets. In some areas of the state, particularly near the Kansas border, Missouri retailers are seeing foot traffic increase ninefold since expanding into recreational sales. In southeastern Missouri, Illinois customers are crossing the Mississippi River in droves for St. Louis cannabis that is significantly cheaper than back home. Even illicit marijuana feeding the market from neighboring Oklahoma hasn't quelled demand in Missouri, leading to big spikes in wholesale flower prices and inventory shortages throughout the supply chain. Ben Burstein at LeafLink said, 
There just isn't enough bulk flour for this sort of demand that's coming to the market. It's one of the only markets in the country that you can actually say that demand is exceeding supply. It's a stark contrast from other markets such as Massachusetts, Michigan, and Oregon, where falling prices and supply glut are challenging business viability. Operators in Missouri are also avoiding over-leveraging production and resources, a recipe that has led to a glut of product oversupply in markets such as California and Colorado. With dozens of retailers and manufacturers buying bulk flour from only 50 cultivators, and most of them producing at less than half capacity, the price of wholesale flour has skyrocketed the last few months. According to LeafLink, which tracks nearly all wholesale volume in Missouri through its online marketplace, the price of bulk flour has doubled to $3,000 a pound since the launch of adult sales, and bulk flour availability is down nearly 79% according to the LeafLink data. Product inventory shortages have followed the launch of recreational sales in several markets over the years, including California, Illinois, Washington State, and in Nevada. Despite the early hiccups, Missouri adult use medical and medical marijuana retailers generated $126.2 million in sales in March, up nearly 23% over February. Total marijuana sales in the state is projected to hit $1.3 billion in the first year of recreational retail, according to the 2023 MJ Biz Factbook. The crux of the problem in Missouri is, is cultivation under production. 50 of the state's 67 licensed cultivators are operational, and grow, growers are only utilizing 37% of the capacity of all 67 licensed cultivation facilities combined. And that is according to Lisa Cox, a spokesperson for the state's Department of Health and Senior Services. She added, any product availability issues right now are due to the industry's transition to adult use and are not due to lack of cultivation capacity in Missouri. Lulls in expanding capacity stem partly from the circumstances of legalizing adult use sales in November through a ballot measure. Operators in most cases waited, though, for the results before adding capacity and are now playing catch up. The flour shortage has led to a distillate shortage for manufacturers such as Clover, which is the state largest, the state's largest producer with nearly 100% coverage across 196 stores in the market. Before recreational sales, the Kansas City-based company had three months of product inventory in its vault. After the launch, Clover was operating at a net zero inventory week to week, essentially keeping little, little or no material in stock. Greenlight Dispensary, one of the state's few vertically integrated retailers, is utilizing the vast majority of its cultivation product within its own retail network. The company started construction on a grow adjacent to its Kansas City operation that's expected to conclude in mid-July, according to their CEO, John Mueller. Leaf Medical, a vertically integrated retailer based in Earth City, is awaiting approvals to expand its cultivation to about 50% capacity. A green light outlet in Kansas City area is drawing 80% of its visitors from Kansas, where marijuana remains illegal. Missouri holds the rare distinction of bordering eight states, and only Illinois has rec- recreational marijuana sales. Leaf, which operates five suede dispensaries in the St. Louis area, has been selling Sensei Cannabis brand to retailers in western Missouri to satisfy demand. While inventory shortages have driven up wholesale prices, Retail product prices have gone up only about 20%, I'm sorry, about 10%, according to sales data and operators. Price consistency is partly a reflection of the state's low retail tax rate of only 6%, which will increase another 3% in dozens of jurisdictions later this year 
after voters overwhelmingly approved cannabis tax hikes in an April 4th ballot measure. The jury is out when inventory shortages will dissipate, but with April 20th, just a few days away, the market will likely get another demand surge. As we all know, a cannabis holiday that has a history of wiping out cannabis inventory sales. I'm Todd Dankin with Hyatt 9 News and uh, yet another shortage in another state. I guess the demand is really high. Pardon the pun. <coughs> um, pun there, Todd. I like it. I like it. We don't have any numbers on their beverage sales in Missouri, do we? Do we have a do we have a uh, headset I I get in the house? <laughs> I don't. Was it, was but, it, was uh, it been uh, two uh, two months in now? Yeah, two months month? in. Two months yeah. in. Um, let's give it one more month, Jason. We'll have uh, the first quarter of sales right. numbers rolling in, and we'll be able to revisit that uh, conversation. They're they're definitely selling more beverages than suppositories, Jason, for sure. I, I, I believe. I believe <laughs> I <laughs> Shout out to the suppositories, man. We don't talk about them enough. Shout out to Missouri, like them. Boom, boom, right now, and and the people are loving it out there. Definitely. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, when they when they have very little choice, you know, that's it's good they're doing it themselves, and you they know, have those, they can drive they, in the noise. Yeah, that's the choice. That's a, that's a terrible choice for them. That's a that's an awful choice. Have you seen the weed coming out of Illinois? You talk shit about Colorado weed, but have you seen Illinois weed? You know, I know. It's <laughs> worse. I know. I know. Let's be let's be honest. Let's have a real intellectually honest conversation here about out on the streets. We got better weed on the streets in Chicago. Weed on the streets with Jason Beck, where he checks out the booth across the nation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sounds like a new show. Like, I think uh, this time, right we across find Jason in Chicago. With you, bro, <laughs> hit the high road, and you can find all the Delta Eight, and I'll find all the true THC. Yeah, listen, He'll sniff it out like a listen. THC bloodhound. There's somebody on our team from Texas that smokes Delta Eight weekly on Instagram Live. <laughs> yeah, you you talk to me all the time, bro. <laughs> One time with Rico. <laughs> Throwing Rico under the bus with you, Slade. Come on, man. Can't take our dude down. I don't know. Last time I know Rico smoked Delta 80, he said it was with you, Stone. Only time I smoked Delta 80. time I have. Yeah, but I was, I was, I was being I was being open I was being open minded. You know, when when I when I talk trash about stuff and it's baseless, I'm always down to you know just go marinate in that in, in that conversation. And I tried it out on a rooftop in Austin with Stone, and both of us were both like, "What is the point of this? I'll never get those 15 minutes of my life." <laughs> I'm down for the baseless booth shit no, because I wish I never did that. And Slade, you don't look like a guy that says that often. So I know it had it could not have been good. I know it could not have been no. good. Uh, it was pointless. Stone, did it make you make that face? <laughs> All the time. As soon as you hit it, it's like bitter beer face. Oh, uh, yeah, it's kind of like you get drunk. It's kind of like like weed light. Like I, I felt nothing. Nothing. You know, it was, it was, I mean, it, was, I guess it tasted it was, good. It, it, was, it, it did. Yeah, it was tasty. That was the terpenes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, but there's no effect, like at all. I didn't feel any different than I did before. Pointless. Close the loophole. Way better after we lit that drink. Close the loophole. Yeah. Why would anyone smoke it unless they had to? Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. We're gonna we're gonna go yeah, to a commercial. We're gonna be right back. <laughs> 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 
Keeping up to date on the evolving policies of relevant state, local, and federal governments is key to success. When the future of your business is at stake, you need representation as dedicated as you are. With a maze of laws and regulations surrounding cannabis, hemp, and psychedelics, knowing where to begin can be a challenge. Good thing the law offices of Omar Figueroa features a skilled, highly focused team ready to guide you through it all. They're accepting new clients in California and New York. So make sure you check them out at info at omarfigueroa.com. Oh, yeah. Make sure you hit that subscribe button if you haven't already. Make sure you hit that like button on this episode and make sure you scan that QR code and go and check out our website and make sure that you sign up for our newsletter as well as enter our 420 contest and let us know what you're going to be doing for 420. Let us know your pictures, share all this. We love to share it on Instagram and other other social media platforms to share what all of you all out there are all doing to celebrate the 420 season. We're going to have a little giveaway or something for somebody. We're not sure who's going to win or how you're going to win, but we're going to make sure that someone is a winner because that's what we do here at Hyatt 9. We make winners. That's right. Next commercial, Adam. Control Tower from Highly Educated has perfected the dab. Utilizing the concept of thin film evaporation, you can waste none of it and taste all of it. The micro texture of the SE pillar increases nucleation at elevated temperatures. And with the tower propelling at 2600 RPMs, it's certainly the most efficient dab experience to date. The Control Tower from Highly Educated. You with us, Rico? I'm a juvenile. You got you, you, you want Stone or Simone? Your choice. Oh, you just you just switch it right now in front of my eyes, right? <laughs> well, we we, we kind of had a funny spreadsheet today because because uh, Gretchen's out today and tomorrow. Uh, all all good. I'm gonna go off top yeah, with this. Out in the Lone Star State, this fellow dope dad could be under the bridge or on the rooftop. You know dabbing on a little delta eight but he chooses to take the high road sidestep all of that bs and go hit some of the the nation's best flower and put it all on the web because that's what he does you know who's coming to the stage next it's the man the myth the legend stone slave can i just say jason beck take notes that's how you do an introduction Today, oh, I see. <laughs> anyway, today my shit, my my shade, my story comes out of Louisiana. You know, every aspect of our lives is filled with cause and effect, small or large actions that cause a ripple effect of sub actions happening as a result of the original one. And the history of cannabis is filled with them. Prohibition was the cause, and the effect has been the creation of the illicit market and decades of unjust imprisonments. Some states are out there talking about THC caps as, a, as the cause, and the effect will, will be lower sales for legitimate cannabis businesses and, and surging sales for the illicit market. Cause, some states still refuse to legalize adult use, and the effect has been, yes, a healthy illicit market, and loophole-finding hemp farmers figuring out ways to create synthetic cannabinoids in an effort to expand business and try to replicate the big popular missing ingredient, THC. Recently, the Fed and many states have been cracking down with restrictions and bans on synthetic cannabinoid, like Jason's favorite, Delta 8. But the state of Louisiana took a different approach. Instead of forcing business owners that had literally built an entire business around a product that never should have made it to market, instead of making them shut their businesses down, they decided to go ahead and regulate it. 
Under Louisiana state law, hemp products are limited to no more than eight milligrams of THC per serving, no more than 1% THC by total concentration, and products meant to be inhaled, such as vape pens, are just not allowed. According to a recent Louisiana legislative auditor report, the Louisiana Health Department has been allowing over 200 intoxicating hemp products that violate state law to be marketed and sold. Of the 2,564 registered consumable hemp products sold in the state, 36 of those products that got passed were prohibited vape pens. Uh, another 198 edible products that exceeded the 8 milligram limit on THC, 52 of which the agency actually approved after the law setting the limit became effective. The report also noted that they may not have found all the offending products and there may still be some on the shelves for you lucky Louisianans. I think that's what you're called. The state health department claimed that staffing issues, including constant turnover, as well as too few employees have affected its ability to enforce state law. According to the Lafayette Daily Advisor, state officials have also blamed the hemp industry for figuring out ways to thwart state law. Mike Verdeen, the agency's sanitarian services director, said the first go around seems like the industry found a way around us. Industry finds a way around our regulations sometimes. Louisiana Office of uh, Alcohol and Tobacco Control Commissioner Ernest Liger insists that he's been lenient on enforcement, saying that he prefers to wait until after the two-month legislative session that began April 10th, until after that, where he believes lawmakers will change and clarify the current laws. Now, at least two bills will be debated, one, re one from Republican House Speaker Clay Schneider of Gonzalez that would tweak serving size requirements, and another one from Senate Agriculture Committee Chairman Stuart Cathy of West Monroe that would require more significant rollbacks in the industry. Now, last month, House Speaker Clay Schneider also blasted the Health Department for failing to identify the and, and punish the violators after auditors found the Department of Health has not enforced its emergency rule to remove these ineligible products, which became effective January 23rd. Now, since then, two lawsuits have been filed uh, by hemp and, and, and industry entrepreneurs fighting any effort to remove any of the previously approved products from the shelves. So much to say about what's going on in Louisiana. You know, I personally, we just talked about this. I don't think uh, synthetic cannabinoids have a place in the industry unless I'm missing anything. If they don't provide any benefits that good old plain Mary Jane provides, then get back in line. There's definitely no reason why these products should be legal and cannabis isn't when cannabis has centuries of a good proven track record, if anything really needs to be researched, it's these synthetic cannabinoids. And with that said, come on, man, they allowed <laughs> you to remain, remain in business and you fucked that up. It's literally the perfect example of give an inch, take a mile. I'm Stone Slave reporting for the High Nine News Hour. Wow. Did you really do that the awesome. one, man? Come on, man. Come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> Man, oh, that is, that is classic. <laughs> totally agree with you, Slade. In? Totally agree with you, Slade. Respect, bro. Yeah, it, it, they. I mean, yeah, like they, they. It took them how many years to to investigate the use of can, cannabinoids and like you know our 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 you know our normal society. Now it's all these other synthetic, all these other chemicals, all these other you know synthetic reactions that are taking place, and all these byproducts in those reactions that we don't we don't even know how to identify them. So let's identify them, and then and then maybe we'll know what the hell it does to us. But or like, ask yeah. them how they. I'm, I'm a little confused how they identify this story. <clears throat> just a little bit. You know what? I'm a little confused by this story. So it's basically saying that the the weed stores in Louisiana have been selling hemp products just like they were a gas station. Mm -hmm. Am I correct? Mm -hmm. So far, and yet regulators just now figured this out and aren't doing anything about it. 
Well, no, it's they protected. decided to to oh. regulate like it and, 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 and allow it, but it doesn't sound like there's been any regulation. They've just continued to let this shit hit the shelves. I don't think so, they're allowed to sell it. So isn't there, aren't there like two medical licenses, two medical producers in Louisiana that have license to actually grow cannabis and make cannabis products and uh, dispense them to I medical thought there patients? Were four LS, LSU had yes. Happy Day Farm. Uh, was it four? Okay, maybe. I, I, I mean, I'm not the most informed about Louisiana, but I, th- I think there are a couple licenses or a few licenses yeah. that have been given an awarded license to actually produce, cultivate, manufacture a product. I don't think they can like sell cannabis flower if I'm if I'm you know if I'm remembering. Correctly. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't think Louisiana you're allowed to sell flower. I would agree. Right, right. It's just like it's just like it's just like products, right? Edibles or infused products, whatever. The king, so, yeah, the king cake, the infused. So, 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 so how you, Florida was before Ron DeSantis allowed everyone to have smokable flower. Did, is there? I I didn't catch. A, was there any comment from any of those licensed um, producers in uh, Louisiana in the article? It's the LSU Ag Center and the Southern Ag Center and their private partners are the only growers that can legally cultivate in Louisiana. Their private partners, gotcha. Yeah, Happy Day Farms is one of them. They're the ones that did the uh, the infused. And are they selling the stuff in in dispensaries or smoke shops? Uh, I, I medical think this is the dispensary. Dispensary, yeah, right. mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. It's as if it's the real market, but it's right. not. And somehow right. thirty six when nothing smokable is legal, somehow thirty six vape pens. Made it through regulation. <laughs> Those, aren't smokable. Those aren't smokable. <laughs> They're vape pens. Those are vapable products. Those are not considered smokable products. Combusted, In the article, yeah. it concluded them together. Ah, uh, well. well, I think Some, the article's wrong, or you misread it, or something. Someone mentioned me wrong. Yeah, someone. Someone mentioned flowers. Uh, flowers legal in uh, Louisiana to sell now. So that's interesting. Who said that? um lisa. Oh, lisa lisa green they sell flour in louisiana now what kind of is are we sure that that's just not like delta eight flour yep, lisa <laughs> delta eight sprayed hemp yeah <laughs> are, are we sure about that uh, lisa's actually down there in uh in uh nolens yeah big ups big ups to uh the cannabis movement it's going slow down there but uh it's, it's coming along and Mm. They got flour. They got flour. How, how good is that flour down there, Lisa? Come on, bro. You know that's. She says it's <laughs> much lower than mids. <laughs> lower than mids. <laughs> oh man, but oh. they sell it. Oh, I gotta say that this, this, this has to probably is going to set the industry back in Louisiana, though. Right. You know, big, big easy boost. Why is he going to set the industry back? Because these people, like I said, take give an inch, take a mile. Like they're. They shouldn't even be in business, in my opinion, and the state allowed them to continue. Let me tell you something. This is basically what happened, okay? Is basically you had a concept for a cannabis store and you had a concept for a smoke shop and you just combined the two and the state's letting them get away with it. That's basically what it sounds like is going on out in the loo. It's sad, though. It's sad because I just looked it up and it says that cannabis flower sales began in January 2022. So they've had a year to get there. Get their act together and it's, still it's trash. trash. It's yeah, trash, but, but there's plenty for everybody. But, but let's big, address big one. Boost. Big easy let's boost. address one thing because we have we have like a very prominent scientist on our in our comments right now, and I just want to address something. So, me and Dr. Mark have been going back and forth on this in a couple recent you know shows. But here's the reality: yes, a kilo of isolate of CBD 
is really cheap, $250 to actually procure it from someone that made it for you to buy it, spot buy it on the market. And for you to take that and then go through the synthetic conversion process and turn that into Delta nine. And then vis-a-vis that process, you're actually um, inevitably going to get a little bit of Delta eight too. But the point being is that it's actually not that expensive to make Delta nine THC distillate instead of taking another cannabinoid and going through a synthetic process to convert it and change it into a diff- into the, the target cannabinoid, when all you have to do, right, is just grow at scale THC. But in places like Oklahoma and other places, they're growing that <clears throat> at huge scale, thousands and thousands of acres of cannabis. So when you're producing that, Dr. Mark and whoever else is listening, you're actually producing it for like you know, a hundred dollars a liter and you don't have to do any other process. So it's, it's already less than half of the price of the, the isolate, the CBD isolate, and you, you're stopping when you get to your THC distillate. So like, we have to actually talk about like the elephant in the room because it's, it's not just a cost thing. It's on a large scale everywhere else in the, in the country. Yes. But when we talk on a, you know, on an ag scale, which a lot of these States are California, Oregon, Washington, Oklahoma, this is where we're talking about. So I just wanted to address that. So everyone has some awareness with all this. Uh, we got to go to a commercial. We're going to be right back. Thank you, Simon. How's it going, guys? Simon Rizani coming to you from Green Street here with Jason Beck smoking on the best weed in the world. Did you know that we have an audio-only version of our podcast available on Apple, Google, Amazon, iHeartRadio, and Spotify? Tune in now and check it out. Oh, yeah. Up next, we got another dope dad. And I think Jason Beck's the only non-parent in the building today, and that's okay because we're very inclusive. I'm the parent of all children here. (laughs) But he's a patient, advocate, and 15-year regulated market industry vet and award-winning solvent extraction pioneer. Here to break us off with another Talk About It Tuesday story. Thank you. Thank you very much, Rico. Appreciate it, everybody. Uncle Jason in the house. You know, he already got the uncle moniker, Rico. So you got to. <laughs> um, I have a, I have a very uh, funny story for us today. Hilarious, you know, for all of our cannabis enthusiasts out there. Um, <laughs> this one out of uh, um, PJ Media. And it starts, New York City is discovering that legalizing marijuana wasn't really a great idea. (laughs) By Robert Spencer. Decriminalizing marijuana, we've been told to the point of stupor for years, would simply be a matter of recognizing the way society has changed and coming to a mature accommodation of a widespread current practice. It would free up valuable police resources to deal with actual crimes and real criminals and end a longstanding injustice in which, you guessed it, people of color were told disproportionately targeted for arrest and prosecution. So the state of New York has legalized marijuana. And how's it going? Doritos uh, and patchouli oil sales through the roof, maybe. (laughs) But, But there have been a lot of unexpected downsides. The New York Post reported that last Monday, uh, the Sunday night murder inside a Harlem smoke shop near the corner of 125th Street and Malcolm X Boulevard, the second shooting in the neighborhood in the last year, is a savage reminder of the state's stupendously disastrous legalization of marijuana. 
It seems that the state went about the legalization by virtually eliminating the entire criminal code uh, pertaining to marijuana overnight. Making matters even worse, the progressive state lawmakers bestowed by a woke vision of the, of the pursuit of equity decided to reserve the first retail licenses for felons and other justice-involved individuals. They wanted to make legalized marijuana a vehicle for reparations. Great idea. The state, <laughs> the state has been slow to grant licenses to legal marijuana shops. However, so illegal ones have proliferated and cops can do little or nothing to stop them because having weed on the open display isn't against the law. The cops have, have to be present to witness a sale in order to issue a violation. But these places are, off, are also often sell other illegal drugs and quickly become centers for other crimes as well. There has been a sharp rise in robberies targeting illegal smoke shops around the city. There were 25, uh, I'm sorry, there were 251 violent robberies in 2021 and more than double that number in 2022. This year, robberies were, are up another 10%. New York City Mayor Eric Adams has declared that this cannabis stuff is a real problem. He has, however, done nothing about it and insisted that it's, a, it's a, the state's problem. Yet the city has plenty of problems of its own that arise from legalization and they aren't all related to crime. Another unexpected byproduct of the proliferation of grass inside grass inside Gotham has been that the city that never sleeps has become the city that always sleeps. The Post's Steve Cuozo observed Sunday that all too many city stores are staffed by stoners who can barely understand, much less fulfill customer orders. A license to get high, Cuozo says, has turned service employees into zombies. He adds, I've lived in the city nearly all my life. I've never had to repeat my highly complex Starbucks order, a tall coffee, three times to get a response from the, from the bummed out barista the way I do now. He says that he now, he now regularly encounters service workers who are stoned up the wazoo, hollow-eyed, disengaged from their tasks, <laughs> their, their breath reeking of weed. This makes what used to be a routine transaction into unpredictable adventures. <laughs> Cuozo recounts, I gave a guy at Pret, a manager, a $20 bill for an $8 cup of soup. I asked for a bag. He took the 20 and promptly forgot my soup, my change, the bag, and me. <laughs> he wandered off, inexplicably waving my Andrew Jackson like a flag until I appealed to his colleagues. He quotes a bank executive recalling that at a gourmet food shop, the cashier was so out of it, staring into space while people waited in line, she forgot to give me my change. She closed the register. I had to wait for someone to come with the dreaded key. After 10 minutes for a 30-second transaction, she didn't even apologize. Why should she apologize? She, she is the wave of the future, a citizen of the new nation, diverse, equitable, multicultural, and enlightened. She is the 21st century American. But, but reading Quoza's stories raises the inevitable question. Is it possible that early generations actually had a point in keeping marijuana and other drugs illegal? Did they realize that societal dysfunction and legalizing such substances could cause an opted and opted not to and opted instead not to make it easy for people to turn themselves into barely functioning messes? Is it time for America to realize that the progressives are taking us to a society that is unlivable in all kinds of ways that some regress is now in order? 
And that is my story. Uh, I, I thought it was quite entertaining. Sorry if I couldn't keep my you know, laughter contained there while I was reading it, but I just, I just can't believe people are actually saying this and being quoted for saying this. But uh, that's uh, Simon Rezani reporting for High at Nine News. Happy Tuesday. What do my peers think of this? Oh, man, you must be doped up on that weed stuff. <laughs> man. Uh, you must be this doped is, up, is, man. Yo, where's my bag? Where's my soup? Where's my... It's, it reminds me of that Weird Al Yankovic uh, first world problems video. First world, first world problems. <laughs> this, is, this is fantastic. Yeah, who and, wrote and that PJ also? Media. P, uh, PJ Media, guy, originally known... I'm sorry, go ahead. go ahead. No, I was going to say his name's Robert Spencer. This guy is hilarious. I think Robert yeah, Spencer a- is the problem, right? He can't get a cup of coffee. <laughs> yeah. He can't get a cup of coffee. Right? He's Nail probably the head. problem He's child head. everywhere. Right? He's the common denominator. <laughs> if you can Google like, uh, PJ Media, originally known as Pajamas Media, oh. is an American right-wing subscription-based commentary website. It is the leading news site covering culture, politics, faith, Homeland Security and more. Is Jason Beck a correspondent there? Anything that involves PJs, you know I'm already a fan of, okay? Jason's playing both sides of the uh, playing both sides of the game here, man. I like it. Oh man. I mean, no, this was this was just I I think this guy does have a point though. I mean <laughs> Here we go. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the point is, the point is, be careful what you wish for. I mean, truly, like, if I'm being, if I'm being totally honest, like the medical, you know, market and and in Colorado and here in California, Prop 215. I mean, you know, everyone was, you know, actually thriving. It's become a whole different game now, and we're seeing like the real tragedy. And this is the bureaucracy that's that's really holding us back. No, no, um, no, no yes, a hundred percent. Here, here, here's what's really happening. Okay. Here's what's really happening. The whole service industry has gone to shit. hundred <laughs> percent. All right. And it's not just in New York. It's here in L.A. too. The whole service industry has totally gone to shit. And I'm going to tell you right now, this guy is blaming weed. But I actually blame other things like the pandemic and all of that. 100%. Because yeah. that's when you yeah. saw the steep, steep, steep decline in customer service. And, and now... You have all these like younger, super entitled, younger generation employees working, and they all they know how to do is lie. That's the truth. Was it? Was it? I mean, was it? Is the pandemic to blame, or is the pandemic uh, to blame for just accelerating something that was already going to happen? Um, you know what? That's that's an excellent question, Rico. You know, I'm not sure, but for them to be blaming blaming cannabis Mm -hmm. and the proliferation of bodegas out in New York is just ridiculous. Sounds like a, a pretty, a pretty uh, standard issue right wing thing to do. Yeah, you know? yeah. You know, just saying. <laughs> Blame the weed. Yeah, here to correct the, the the record for for all of them that they are barking up the wrong tree with this one. That they need to be focused on other things. Yeah, it definitely. Sounds like the wrong. That's, that was the message. Was this is just you know? Are you really complaining? Are you really? Are you are you really complaining someone messed up your Starbucks order? Come on. Like, we have way bigger problems and way bigger issues as a society. But, you know, again, like, you know, it's just it's just really interesting to see what perspective, you know, these native New Yorkers have of how their how their city has changed, how the landscape has changed, per se. But, uh, yeah, I think it's ridiculous. I say toke it up, of course. It goes better with coffee anyway. Hell yeah. yeah. 
Hell yeah. Well, I, I have I have I have one more story before we before we close up, but I'm gonna keep it super, super sweet because we are at time. But I do want to make sure that I share this news for you guys. But I'm gonna encourage you all. I'm just gonna synopsis this real real quick. But make sure you go over to our website, Hyatt Nine News, and read this full story because you are definitely gonna want to see the the hypocrisy and the craziness that is happening in the state of New Jersey, because you know what New Jersey did yesterday, you guys, that's right. The New Jersey cannabis regulators are reversing their decision and renewing your relief's ability to sell adult use cannabis, vacating an earlier decision. Yes. It's total, total craziness. And they're like, as long as you guys operate with, the good faith moving forward, then we're going to give you guys this right back. <laughs> and so I encourage you go over to the website, click on the, click on the button, read the story. You're going to definitely want to check this out. This is a definite, definite hot read and you will not believe the shit storm that you see inside they, of there. They protested, right? That's why they, they, they were, hey, let me tell you some on, you don't get to ask those questions. You have to go to the site and go. <laughs> <laughs> The booth is back in town. Was exchanged here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Hide nine news at only at onlyfans.com. <laughs> we got our, our, our uh, content. <laughs> Dope dad bods. Lots of microphones and wires and cables. Mm-hmm. Extra long, extra long. But thank you all out there for tuning in with us for yet another episode of High Nine News. You can always catch us weekdays, 9 a.m. Pacific and high noon on the East Coast. Big shout out to our live audience members and online supporters tuning in and giving us the feedback on the daily headlines of chaos, also known as the developing cannabis industry. Our vetted industry correspondent team tuning in from all over the global community, bringing us much needed variety of perspective and adding your respected opinions to the conversation. To our production team, the wonderful Jaja. Simone holding things down again over in Clubhouse to House of Fuego and also oh yeah, bring it down. <laughs> yeah. all of our sponsors bringing us to a tilt today and to the haters keep doing your thing, we're going to keep on doing ours you give us nothing but love and affection and uh, just come back stronger, bigger and faster every single day positivity it is uh, Tuesday April 18th, two days to 420. You've been blessed with today's top industry headlines, and I hope it was enough to, for you to put in your pipe and smoke, at least until tomorrow. Unless it's uh, just sprinkled with Delta 8, and you just like, leave, leave that. Put it aside. Put it aside. My name is Regal Lamy, the dopest dad in the street, and I'm signing off for the day. Please remember when life gives you no place else to turn, you can always turn up. Todd Dankin. Leave these people with a good message for the day. What you got for me? I will. I would like to uh, give a quick shout out to everybody's favorite veteran, Sean Kiernan. Today's his birthday. Yo, birthday, Sean. Birthday, Sean. Yeah. Okay. We're dedicate this episode to Sean Kernan. Hell yeah, he's getting really old though too. So he is. He is. He's I not going to remember old. these things after a while. So. <laughs> it's good to get him in now. Video on the internet is for because they last forever. <laughs> That's right. I saw him yesterday. I'm pretty sure he looks even older today. <laughs> Dad jokes. <laughs>